with five new productions, including two Met premieres, the Metropolitan Opera's 2017-18 season features an exciting array of stars and conductors in operas across the repertory. The Metropolitan Opera Guild is dedicated to enriching people's lives through an awareness and deeper appreciation of opera. Our podcast features lectures and events presented by the Guild in support of performances at the Metropolitan Opera. The Metropolitan Opera Guild podcast is funded in part by support from the Stuart J. Pierce Memorial Fund. To learn more, visit metguild.org. I'm Naomi Baratera. Last week, the Metropolitan Opera revealed the details of the 2017-18 season. In this episode of the Metropolitan Opera Guild podcast, a special conversation between Opera News Editor-in-Chief F. Paul Driscoll and the Met's Assistant General Manager for Music Administration, John Fisher, about some of the things that we can look forward to. Hello, John. Hello. Let's start at the beginning. On opening night, September 25th, Bellini's Norma will open the season in a production directed by Sir David McVicker with Sandra Radvanovsky in the title role and Joyce DiDonato as Adalgisa and Joseph Kaleha as Polioni. What are your favorite moments in the score for Norma? What should people be listening for? Well, I love the orchestration of, the, of this, this. The drama that's captured in the orchestration is quite remarkable. And it's an, obviously an opera seria, very dramatic, one of the most dramatic operas of Bellini. Bellini's famous for melody, and of course there's plenty of, of them. But the duets with Norman Polioni, wonderful, wonderful duet. That's uh, an incredible structure and very exciting uh, orchestration. Famous duet, Miro Norma, between Norma and Adalgisa. It's always a highlight for me. It's it's just so sumptuously beautiful and simple. The construction is so simple, but Bellini was a master of melody. Mm-hmm. And uh, great composers have often commented on that, that, that the one thing, that the simplicity of his compositional style, but the one thing that he excelled at was melody. And uh, it's moving. It just moves me personally so extraordinarily. And, of course, Casta Diva, everyone, that's the most famous, arguably, of... Aria in the whole uh, moment in the whole opera, the most famous without doubt, but it's also one of the most extraordinary, compositionally one of the most extraordinary creations, just absolutely stunning. And when it's sung beautifully, as it most certainly will be by Sondra Radvanovsky, I can't wait to hear that. What is it that makes the role of Norma so challenging? It's the ultimate soprano role, isn't it? It's one of the ultimate soprano roles, no question. And in that style, it certainly is the ultimate soprano role. I say that without argument. It's demanding. It's a tessitura. That means the where the, the the role is written vocally and what's the range of the role and where the medium of the range is. It sits very high, a lot of it, but it's also dramatic in many places in the opera. So you have to have a very strong middle voice as well as a top voice, mm-hmm. an upper voice, the top notes. The aria itself is challenging, and it's the first scene, the first time we see Norma. Mm-hmm. She sings this very, very challenging aria. But you've also got to convey obviously the beauty, but also the simplicity of it. Mm-hmm. So the listeners should not be aware of the complexity from the vocal standpoint for the singer. That's a challenge in itself, I think. And a challenge, arguably, for most things that singers sing. This is particularly challenging, I think. So I always have huge respect and admiration for people who confront this role and who bring it off with such a plum. And there have been many over the, over the years, but Sandra will be, I'm sure, remarkable. I'm looking forward to it very much. I am too. 
Let's listen to a little bit of Sandra Rodvanovsky. That was Sandra Radvanovsky singing Norma at the Met in 2013 with Ricardo Fritza conducting. So the next new production that will be up at the Met this coming season is The Exterminating Angel by Thomas Addis, which opens on October 29th, and it's going to be conducted by the composer and staged by the opera's librettist, Tom Cairns, who will be making his Met debut. Now, this was a co-commission of the Met, but it's been seen at other theaters. It, the world premiere was in Salzburg, and it's also been done at the Royal Opera House Covent Garden. Have you had a chance to see the opera in any of its previous iterations? I haven't iterations? seen it yet. I've heard some of it, and I've, I've worked on it myself and the score. Ah. Uh, and uh, it's fascinating, uh, unique. Yes. Absolutely unique. Totally palatable in respect. I'm, I say that for a reason, because sometimes people may think of of very contemporary uh, music. Um, some f- people might find that challenging and a bit daunting. It's not at all. It's very um, accessible. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important to say. And it's unusual and it's unique. In the, the orchestration is quite simply brilliant. There's a very unusual aspects to it. There's some instruments that are unusual, like an Ante Martino, which is an instrument that was used a lot by Messiaen. Yeah. And it features very strongly. It's actually protagonistic in the orchestra. Really? And that's going to be, I think, create a, um, a sound and a, and a texture in the orchestra that's going to be quite unique. And um, the compositional technique is very singular and very unique from Thomas Addis. I personally love his music. I do too. And um, and I think as importantly as that in parallel, that certainly is also his ability to capture the drama and to paint the picture within the orchestration and the vocal lines um, in the music. 
This is sung in English, isn't it? Sung in English, yeah. And the situation is, roughly speaking, it's based on the Louis Buñuel film, but yeah. it's a dinner party yeah. with a lot of different people. Yeah. It's a very... Yeah, 21 lo- roles. Yes, exactly, which is enormous 20, for you. It's a huge, huge undertaking for, for any company. Yes. Eight to ten of them are arguably full principal roles. Others are smaller roles, but they're still roles. That we exactly. Have. And of course, as in our company, we all cover every role that we have. We have a cover yes. uh, understudy for every role. So it's it's a huge undertaking. And and orchestrally, and there's a lot of rehearsal obviously scheduled for it, and there needs to be. And it's wonderful that the composer is conducting. That always makes a huge difference mm-hmm. that the conducts because there's, then you're working in a very comprehensive way that... Um, uh, they have in their head the music they've, they've conceived and then it's exciting for them, obviously, to be yes. able to execute that themselves. But it's also very helpful for everybody involved, those that are actually performing it, yes. to have the composer there and in the position of being the conductor and leading the whole musical experience. And he is, in my opinion, a great conductor, yes, too. He is. He's, he's like very, Britain, he has all those gifts. Absolutely. He's a highly intelligent, highly sensitive musician and um, a, a wonderful interpreter and communicator. That's really important. Mm-hmm. And when you have something that's new coming from the horse's mouth, if you will, the person who actually created it, yes. it makes it all the more exciting on all levels, I believe. So one of my personal favorites is coming up next in November. On November 29th, James Levine is going to be conducting the Verdi Requiem in the house, which I think is, in any theater, it's an absolutely yes. unbelievable experience. But I think in this house, with this orchestra and this chorus, right. it's going to be absolutely extraordinary. I could not agree with you more. It's also one of my favorite things. It's one of the most life-changing things for me when I first worked on the Verdi Record. Yes. It stayed with me as such, and it's such a moving experience always. But as you say, with resources like this yes. at, at our disposal and performing it in the Met yeah. with James Levine, you couldn't ask for more. It's an absolute uh, festival experience, I think, for any audience. Absolutely. It almost stands on its own in that respect. I mean, just by nature, by dint of the work itself and the nature of the work itself, and to be done in a, a different kind of cathedral, being, yes. the, being the Metropolitan <laughs> Opera, you know? Yes. Um, but it's, it's every bit as exciting, if not more so, in many respects. Of course. What is it for the chorus and the soloists that make this different than an opera? I mean, obviously it has a similar musical language, but it's a sacred work. With it a is sacred a sacred text. work, and it's an interesting question. And uh, the way I would immediately answer it is to say it's often been said, and I wholeheartedly agree, that um, the Verdi Requiem is actually very operatic. Yes. Perhaps not surprisingly, since it was written by a very prolific opera composer, mm-hmm. but it is very operatic and very dramatic, mm-hmm. extremely dramatic, and again captures the drama like any opera composer would do. And so it's visceral. Mm-hmm. It has a, the impact it has on the listener. And the performers. Yes. I mean, it's so moving for everybody involved in this. I mean, I think it's... Um, and the theatricality, his, the way his mind worked, one assumes, and um, you can only second-guess that in, mm-hmm. in, in the compositional process, and his conceptual approach to composition. That, the, If you bring that to a, a, a religious work, mm-hmm. like a requiem, it brings to life the text and what it's about, mm-hmm. what it's representing. And in the orchestration, it's just superb. It just is, is perfect. It's, Never magn- expect. it's extraordinary. It's magnificent. I mean, it gives you goosebumps to think about it. It <laughs> does, yes. indeed. Yeah. Well, speaking of goosebumps, on New Year's Eve, the company is going to be presenting another new David McVicker production, indeed. which is Tosca. And Christine Opelais, Jonas Kaufman, and Bryn Terrell will be in that on opening night on New Year's Eve with Andres Nelson's conducting. And later performances in the run will have Anna Netrebko, Marcelo Alvarez, and Michael Vola. So 
if you would talk a little bit about Bryn Terrible, because this is one of my most favorite roles of his. I think he is a genius, Scarpia. Couldn't agree more. I've I've been fortunate to work with Bryn throughout his entire career from when he started, and we've worked together. He's coached with me a lot, and and this being one of the roles, actually. And uh, the way he's developed as an artist is just extraordinary, mm-hmm. and he's one of the greatest artists oh. in the opera in, in, in opera today. And I agree with you. I think Scarpia is one of the greatest interpretations of Scarpia. It's just, and it's grown through the years as he's performed it. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm so excited about this next year because it's going to be wonderful. I think, and together with the, the other members of the cast, obviously with Jonas and with Christine, and mm. I think it's going to be extraordinary. Why do you think that this opera has stayed so consistently popular for more than a century? It's, it's never out of the repertory. It's never ever not been a favorite. Well, it's, it's great drama, great theater. Mm-hmm. It's great music. Um, <laughs> and if you have singers who can really perform it and sing it and bring it to life, and it's blood-curdling in lots of respects, and it's, it's, it's great theater, great entertainment. Yeah. But it's wonderful, it's wonderful music. And I think, one, you know, it's one of the great Puccini... I mean, I love all Puccini operas, and, but this is one of the great ones. And I think it's... It, the fact that it has lasted so long is testament to that. Sure. And I can't say enough about I love Tosca. Do you uh, have a particular favorite moment in the score? Ooh, I have a lot. I love the confrontation between uh, Scarpia and Tosca in the second act, the mm-hmm. whole confrontation scene, which is so exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, there are obvious, you know, again, w- well-known arias. Visidarte, obviously, is a very well... The, the Tosca's aria in the second act, which is so well-known and so, so simple mm-hmm. and so heart-wrenchingly beautiful. Yes. And then, of course, the tenor arias, particularly Edel Chevan Listelli in the third act, which Cavaradossi sings, which is also very poignant for obvious reasons, mm-hmm. because for he's, as it turns out, is going to die. We've led to believe he may not, but he actually mm-hmm. ends up so, uh, that happening. So it's very poignant. So, and he captures that so brilliantly. And the whole scene in the first act, the beautiful love duet between Cavaradossi and Tosca in the first act is so moving and beautiful and simple and real. Mm-hmm. It's real, verismo. It's verismo, and that's mm-hmm. what it means. It's very real and touches you, gets gets hold of you. My favorite's the end of the first act. Yeah. With Scarpia. With the Te Deum. The Te Deum, I also good getting to that. I mean, I think the Te Deum, with the orchestration, with the the, the, the mixture of the religious in the background mm-hmm. and Scarpia in the front and his his designs yes. and what's going to happen. Going on, going on, this counterpoint going on at that time is just thrilling. And Bryn Turfels, I know from, he's sung it here, of course. Yes. yes. And elsewhere sings, he brings this to, not just the singing and the voice, but what he does with the words, and that's Absolutely. so important. That really gets right to the heart of the of the, of the listener. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just you have. To, it's all about that. It's about colouring the words and bringing to life the, the meaning and the intention, not just singing the notes. Obviously, I think mm-hmm. that's. I mean, we all are aware of that. But uh, he is extraordinary in doing that. Yeah. yeah. For the today, let's listen to Bryn Tervel singing that.
singing Te Deum from Tosca in April 2010 with Fabio Luisi conducting the Metropolitan Opera Orchestra and Chorus. So the next new production is in March at the Met, and it's Mozart's opera about girls who sing in thirds and the men who may or may not love them, (laughs) Cosi Fantute. And this is a production that's set in Coney Island in the 1950s, and it's directed by Fela McDermott. Mm. And Kelly O'Hara is going to make her role debut as Despina, the maid, Amanda Majeski, Serena Malfi, Ben Bliss, Adam Plachetka, and Christopher Maltman are the rest of the cast, and David Robertson's going to be conducting. This, this particular opera is complicated because of the sexual politics between the men and the women. Do you think that that's tricky in the 21st century to take uh, Da Ponte's somewhat cynical um, view of the relations between men and women and put them on it's, stage? Well, you could arguably say it's a little skewed in terms of, because remember when it was written, and mm-hmm. Ponte had, I mean, very much tongue-in-cheek attitude and approach to things and was very witty and mm-hmm. lots of it. And, but it was slightly skewed in terms, we're talking about Così fan tutti, how all women do it, yeah. right? So it's assuming a weakness on the part of the feminine gender, and which, which you know, nowadays you would perhaps would fly in the face of what could you call it, women's labor, whatever, et cetera, mm-hmm. everything. This is sort of like a, not almost like a criticism of women in a slighthearted way, that the women mm-hmm. are fickle, that's what you're basically saying. Mm-hmm. And this the, when the whole point of Don Alfonso being the day of sex machina to prove that to be the case, that the women are you know, not constant and don't assume they are. That's what it really the premise of the story is. Whether that's difficult to portray, perhaps harder to portray nowadays because we live in a different society and, mm-hmm. and it perhaps was, was easier arguably in that in, at that time to put that forward um, but it's still within the context of a comedy in a way there's a comedy oh, yeah. a- aspect, aspect to it in it's theatre and McDermott uh, is such a brilliant director brilliant director and I think I'm really looking forward to this setting and I mean, I'm really very curious about this thing set in Coney Island in the 1950s I mean I think the cast is really interesting because the cast this is an opera which is an ideal vehicle for young singers exactly and we have a, a cast which is perfect in the respect in Majeski and Malfi the two women are young mm-hmm. very very gifted um, young singers and Ben Bliss who's a rising American tenor who's mm-hmm. already sung a couple of roles here perfect for the role of Ferrando and then you have Adam Plecheco also a very young baritone singing Guglielmo and then Crystal Maupin who's older Mm-hmm. as Don Alfonso, which makes sense. And then Kelly O'Hara coming in to sing this Vina um, for the first time is really exciting. She's obviously a, a Tony Award-winning Broadway, but, but a classically trained singer, obviously. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's really exciting. I'm looking forward to working with her very much. Um, but it, it works in the context of this production and in the context of this character, too, because she's an observer. She's supposed to be from a slightly different world. She, well, she's a down-to-earth, earthy. Yeah, exactly. She's, you know, she's been around the block a few times. She's mm-hmm. a streetwise kind of person, much more. She's more realistic. The girls, 
the idea is that the girls live in a more gilded kind of cage mm-hmm. existence and more protected from reality. Mm-hmm. And uh, she sets out to put them right about certain um, facts of life in that respect, I think, if it's true to say. And the Mozart music remains oh. one of the glories. Oh, my goodness. It's my... I mean, I... I couldn't pick one Mozart work to say this is my favourite because I'm a, I'm a Mozart fanatic. I just uh-huh. love Mozart. And Cosi Fantuti is perfect. It has, I mean, the ensemble writing, mm-hmm. one after the other, is just extraordinary. The arias, one after the other, all, and some, you know, quite well-known ones. But they're all perfect. The, Mozart wrote with such a command of a language which was not his own mother tongue, by exactly. the way, from the very early age. You know, mm-hmm. He wrote operas from the age of 10 and 11. You know, there was one particular one, Mitridati Redi Ponto, he wrote at 13 years old, mm-hmm. which is masterful in, his, in what we call a company's recitatives and his use of Italian language. Perfectly set to music, better than anybody who's mm-hmm. done it. In a, and he was a German-speaking 13-year-old. Mm-hmm. So that translating into Cosi Fantuti, which was later... It's it's pure genius, absolutely pure genius. But it's again, there's a simplicity about it. Within that, there's a different kind of complexity, but there's a simplicity about it. And in the communicating of it, that's what comes over, and therefore just so beautiful. And if you have a cast like this singing, it's going to. It, you need to have that, obviously, to bring that off and to communicate that. And this, without doubt, will 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 happen with this cast. I'm no no doubt. I agree. So last but not least in the list of new productions for the Met next year is Massenet's Cendrillon, The Cinderella Story, which has never been heard at the Met before, and it's in a production directed by Laurent Pelly, which I saw at Santa Fe a few years ago, and I think it is absolutely adorable. It is so funny and sweet mm. and uh, just just sweet enough. You know, not, absolutely, uh, without being saccharine. Exactly, mm-hmm. yeah. and it's perfect for the opera. It opens on April 12th, with Joyce Giannato in the title role, Alice Coote as Prince Charming, and Stephanie Blythe as Madame de Haltier, mm-hmm. the wicked stepmother, and Bertrand de Billy as uh, conducting. There's been a fair amount of Massenet at the Met in recent seasons. Um, we've had Werther and Manon. How is this different? I mean, Thais is coming up next year as well. How is this different th- from the other Massenet I don't scores? think essentially it's different from the style. It's recognizable, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I don't. I mean, it's Massenet, and it's... A, it's I refer it to a kind of French verismo, really, and it's. Mm. It, I mean, um, the, the through composed, romantic, music, obviously French music, and the style is very recognisable as Massenet. I think he cut the cloth according to the story, exactly, and to the libretto, and he captures that very much in the orchestration and the colours that he uses. Very inventive, and that's how a great composer worked in, historically. So. It's very specific to the story, which, of course, is a, another take on the Cinderella story, mm-hmm. which is, I think, exciting. You know, we've done Rossini's Cenerentola, obviously, mm-hmm. many times, and it couldn't be more different musically. I think oh. this is fascinating in itself, to a story which is basically the same, not only being written by another composer, but a composer from a completely different period and style, completely mm-hmm. different period and style, in a different language. The delineation of the characters is brilliantly brought out in not just the vocal line, but the colours and the orchestration used in, to support that. Yes. And to enhance that, actually, is probably the better word. Very clever, very clever. I mean, I very much harmonically and, and very often texturally, from a texture point of view, the orchestra, it's, it's very recognisable as a Massonet. I recognise straight away mm-hmm. as a style. Again, he cut the cloth accordingly. He was very specific to this story and uh, brilliantly. And again, with a cast like this, it has to be 
beautifully, beautifully sung and brilliantly sung, and it will be. I'm sure uh, it will no be. No question about that. And then yeah. Bertrand de Bie, who's a very specialist in this kind of, he's a French, and yes. he's, a, uh, he's done a lot of this kind of repertoire, so you need to, that kind of experience brought bear on that. Really important. I love the characterizations musically, too. Mm. I think it's so interesting oh. to have the prince who's somewhat melancholy. Yeah. Rossini's prince is sort of a very cheerful Italian aristocrat. It starts out being, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And, and, and finishes in, by being yes, but indeed. Yes, yeah. But uh, I think that that whole sequence with the prince in the second act is fantastic. Fantastic! Oh, it's absolutely fantastic! It's wonderful. It's very. It's it's unique again, um, romantic opera, but it's unique. Very impression. French. Yeah, very French. So, is there anything else that, in particular, that you're looking forward to next year? The Met's new music director designate has two German works absolutely. on and his repertoire. Very Sagan. Yes. Yannick is, um, as you just said, is our, our music director designate, and um, he's conducting two major German works next year, one being Parsifal, the production we already have, which is absolutely stunning, and uh, that's with Evelyn Helitius, an extraordinary soprano going to sing Kunri, and Peter Matei returning for Amfortas. Who is singing the title role in Parsifal? Klaus Florian Vogt. Who is a wonderful singer. He's an extraordinary singer. And he's here this season, is he yeah. not? Yes. Elektra also, he's going to, Richard Strauss, he's going mm-hmm. to be conducting with Christine Gurk in the title role, which is also very exciting. Fantastic. Very yeah. exciting. So what else is Meister Levine doing besides the Requiem? He has Zauberflöte, doesn't Zauberflöte, Zauberflöte, which is extraordinary because his Mozart, of course, is second to none, and I'm really excited about that. And he's also going to be conducting Verdi's Louisa Miller, which mm-hmm. is one of his all-time favorite operas, I happen to know and has not been done for a while, and that will be uh, the title role sung by Sonia Yoncheva uh, with Piotr Bechawa and Placido Domingo. As Miller. As Miller, which is really exciting. So I'm, I, I'm really looking forward to it's that. It's wonderful. Yes, it is, indeed. Well, I look forward to it as well. It's one of my favorites. Thank you so much. This has been fascinating. You're and very I welcome. Look to great pleasure. A great pleasure. I look forward to it too. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Special thanks to F. Paul Driscoll and John Fisher for providing insight into some of the highlights of the 2017-18 Metropolitan Opera season. Subscriptions are now available. Visit medopera.org. To get up-to-date information on the upcoming season, podcast, and other opera content, be sure to follow both the Metropolitan Opera and the Metropolitan Opera Guild on your favorite social media platforms. I'm Naomi Baratera. Thank you for listening to the Metropolitan Opera Guild podcast.